0: All right. All right. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to stand here at Disciples House tonight and to teach and to spread your word. I thank you, Father God, that you are the healer. I thank you that Cameron's infected toe is no surprise to you. And I just ask you, Father God, for your healing to flow through his body and for that infection to leave. Give unto the doctor's wisdom on the proper treatment plan for him An infection in Cameron's toe. You must go in the name of Jesus. And with regards to Miss Kathy that we have been believing for healing of cancer in her body, we thank you that she is healed of cancer. And Father, the, the most recent report for Kathy is that she has a tumor on her brain that they will be removing tomorrow. So I just ask you to guide the hands of the surgeon and make him well able and his, we, and his team well able to perform the surgery. May nothing unexpected happen. May she have a quick and speedy recovery. We thank you for a good surgical procedure. We thank you that the cancer is gone. Now, Father God, to speak to us. Speak to us tonight, myself included. Give me the words that you would have me to say. Soften their hearts. Give them an ear to hear. Bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Below it. Is that good? little more. This is technical. All right. So, Before I get into the topic that the Holy Ghost has laid upon my heart to share with you guys, I want to sort of tell you a little bit about how I arrived there. So, uh, a few years ago, I started keeping a notebook. And so, as I do my studies in the morning, if there's something that sort of jumps out, what do I need to do now? More? If there's something that that sort of jumps out at me that is sort of good stuff, so to speak, that would be good for me to go back to or that would be good to share with others, such as in this setting, I begin to take notes on it. So I have the, the alphabetical dividers in my notebook for different topics. So I have lots of different topics in my notebook that I've taken notes on throughout the years. And so my whole thinking behind this is that, you know, the Word of God tells us, tells us to be ready both in season and out of season. So I have that notebook so I can be ready in season and out of season. So I knew that the pastors were going to be going to Branson. And so I prayed last week. I said, okay, Lord, if if you want me to minister, if you want me to teach in their absence, I am willing and I will do it. And so I didn't hear anything. And so Miss Ann came to me on Sunday and she said, you know, The pastors are going to be gone both Sunday night and Wednesday night. And she said, I really am studied up on healing. And I know that you like to teach as well. Would you be interested in in teaching Wednesday night? And my first thought in the flesh was, oh, no. (laughs) No, no. And then I was like, no. You have been preparing for this. You have been getting ready so that you're ready in season and out. So now keep in mind, I have this notebook with 26 different letters in it with lots of different topics. I'm thinking, okay, Lord, lead me to what topic you would have me to teach on on Wednesday night. Well, he gave me one that wasn't in the book at all. (laughs) And so, but the topic is this. I have a hair in my mouth. um, Be ready in season and out. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Be ready in season and out. So let's go to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 1 through 4, but we're going to sort of dissect it, not necessarily in numerical order. All right. I'm not on the right chapter. So 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 reads, I charge thee therefore before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables so when I began to take this these verses and pick them apart I started with verse two because that's sort of our focal verse for tonight's teaching so the definition of preach in accordance with strong's is, Obviously, to preach. You know how strong sometimes they just reiterate the word that you're looking for anyway? So it's to preach, (laughs) proclaim, and tell. But what I like even more than those words was where it said, often urging the acceptance of the message. So when we preach to others, we should be, we are in a sense, urging those that we preach to, to accept the message. There's an urgency to it. The second part of that particular definition was, with warnings of consequences for not doing so. So, as we preach, it should have a warning in it for not accepting the message. So, we know that when Jesus came, his message was repent for the kingdom of God is for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So that is a very important message. And as we preach, we want to make sure they understand the warning of not receiving that that there is consequences. The next word that I really focused on was the word instant. And divide, Strong says that word means to approach. So you go towards something. Come near. Stand beside. Imminent. About to happen. And at hand. So instant. So there's some examples that came to my mind that sort of depicted this imminent. It's about to happen. It's at hand. It's near. Be ready. So when Brianna, Brianna's played softball for many years, and when she was on rec league, there was a mother who loved to say, down and ready, girls, down and ready. It used to drive me insane. But when I think about the, the term instant in this context, as believers, we need to be down and ready, ready to go at any time, in season or out of season. The other thing that this this word brings to me, the other image is race car drivers. So you know how they sit there, they're at the light, and it flashes, flashes red, then it flashes yellow, and then it's green for go. So they are setting on go, so to speak. We need to also be like those race drivers, and we need to be set on go. Not on stop, not off over here doing something that we shouldn't, that's not in God's plan. Not on lukewarm, well, sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I may be prepared and sometimes I won't. But I will go all the time in season and out of season to proclaim and to preach. So we know that there are seasons in nature, okay? So these seasons, they have a natural order to them. So there's a planting season followed by a growing season followed by a reaping season. Nature doesn't get confused about this. It stays in order each and every year. The life cycle also is orderly. There's procreation, there's birth, and then there's death. It's always the same order. It's always the same process. Then this brought me to plants. We have uh, annual plants as well as perennial plants. And my plant lovers back here, if I get this wrong, they will help me. Annual plants die every year, and they don't come back. They have to be replanted. So marigolds, for example, no marigolds come back, don't they? No, they don't. They produce seeds. So marigolds, you plant them in the summer, and by the way, they are great. They are a natural insect repellent. You plant those, and then they go to seed, and then they don't produce the next summer. If you want more marigolds, you have to plant more marigolds. But other plants are perennials. So those don't have to be replanted. They just naturally come back through that natural process. So things like at our house, we have lilies that come back every year. This time of year, the mums start coming back. Uh, Rose bushes come back. And then I think about trees. You know, they may look dead in the winter, but they're not. They just shed those leaves, and then they come right back in the spring. So, nature doesn't go off course. Nature is orderly. It doesn't go do its own thing. So, we are also not to go off and do our own thing. So, we need to be in that regard. If we're doing what God has us to do, we are going to be on that right course. We're going to be ready in season or out of season. And so I think about the Amish people. They have a belief in their culture of what they call, it's like a rumming, coming of age tradition. And I'm probably not going to say this right, but it's the rumspringer. And it's where the teenagers, if they so choose, can go out into the world. We do not need to get out into the world and test the waters. We need to stay the course. We need to be perennial plants, not annual plants. We need to come back and come back and come back and always be ready. Then I thought about seasons in terms of sports. So generically, sports have an off-season, The season well I got that out of backwards. Let me say that again. The preseason, the season, and the off season. So while athletes may not be, you know, on the field full time in the off season, you better believe they are still maintaining their bodies, they're still exercising good nutrition, good habits, they're lifting weights, they're getting aerobic exercise. They may be, if they're baseball players, they may be taking extra hitting practice, but they are doing something to stay the course even though they are not in season. So I, I, there's a commercial, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's, it's. I think it's for like Domino's Pizza, and it's football players. And so there's an interviewer, and he's asking the player, oh, what do you do in the off season? And so the screen flashes, and it's, three football players from different teams, and they're eating pizza. And so his response was, oh, we just hit the weight room. <laughs> so uh, the idea was he didn't want them to know they were eating pizza. But my point is that professional athletes, and even high school and college athletes, in the offseason, they are still doing work to be ready for regular season play. All right. So moving on to the words in season and out of season in this particular verse, it was very interesting to me when I looked this up in the Strong's that the definition for season when it was attached to the word in was different than the definition of season when it was attached to the words out of. So when it comes to the definition of in season, Season means opportunity. So think of this like when it's natural for something to occur, when it seems right for it to take place. So when I think about our spiritual walk, I think that there are times that are naturally in season for us. When we're at church, it's easy to be in season. When you're around uh, people that you feel comfortable speaking spiritual about, it's easy to be in, in season. When you're given the opportunity to speak someplace, maybe at a different church or at a special event, like for us ladies, if we were asked to speak at a women's conference, that would be another example of when it's easy, when it's in season, when it's a good opportunity. So out of season, according to Strong's, is a lack of favorable opportunity. So this is a not good situation. This is when all the cards are not lined up and pretty. This is when things are messy. So examples of some out of season times when you still need to be ready, when you still need to be prepared, because again, we got to be ready in season and out. Could be at work. It could be in public. I'll never forget one time um, I had a, I would call her an acquaintance that came to me at a softball game. And so, you know, there we are. We're at the stadium. I don't know. They might have been playing or warming up, whatever. The team was on the field, and she was having major issues with her heart. She had found out that as a byproduct of having had COVID she had a blood clot the size of a baseball in her heart. So she was having to have that removed. And so she said, will you pray for me? And I said, absolutely. I said, do you feel comfortable praying right now? And she said, yes. So right there at the baseball softball field, I prayed with her and laid hands on her. Did it look like a time that would be an in-season time? Absolutely not. But just because it doesn't look like an in-season time doesn't mean we don't have to be prepared to be in-season. And as we continued to sit at that softball game, I had asked her to share her cell phone number with me. So I began to send her scriptures dealing with the heart and healing and peace. So again, just keeping rolling with that that in-season. Another time when you could be out of season is when you're busy. You know, you've just got other things to, to do. Eric, Derek's shaking his head. When there are distractions, I mean, let's face it. There's times when you just have to say to somebody, okay, somebody will show up at my door, and I'll be like, let me finish my thought, and then, then I can talk to you. Oh, here's a big one. When you don't feel well yourself in the flesh, out of season. But you still have to be ready to be in season. Because what do the scripture tells us? We can lay hands on the sick and we'll be healed by laying hands on the sick. The other one that's kind of a toe stepper is when you don't feel spiritually prepared. That can definitely be a time that is out of season, but you need to be in season. When you don't feel spiritually prepared. So before we leave this verse, Brooke, I would like to read this out of the Amplified. Please, if you'll turn it over. It is wordy, but it is good. Preach the word as an official messenger. Be ready when the time is right and even when it is not. Keep your sense of urgency whether the opportunity seems favorable or unfavorable, whether convenient or inconvenient, whether welcome or unwelcome, correct those who err in doctrine or behavior. And so that's about the correction part. But you see what I'm saying? Be ready in season, out of season, whether or not it seems like it's a good time to you So, why is this important? Why do we need to do this? So, if we go back to verse 1 of 2 Timothy 4, uh, Paul just really blasts us right off the bat. He says, I charge thee. He charges us, which according to Strong's means to give us solemnly, to solemnly warn or charge To solemnly testify about. And sometimes the Strong's definition, I'm like, "Mm, it leaves me lacking something. So I went to Google. And Strong says charge means to entrust someone with a task as a duty or responsibility. So Paul is saying, I charge thee. This is your responsibility. This is your duty. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, as if it wasn't enough that the Apostle Paul was telling us to do it, he's saying, you know what? Jesus and the Lord are hearing me give you this charge. And the dead at His appearing and at His kingdom. And then here we go. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering and doctrine. Then, in verses 3 and 4, he gives us a few more reasons why we are to, um, to do this, why we are to be ready in season and out of season. So, actually, before I go to 3 and 4, I want us to go to Mark sixteen fifteen. So more importantly, that of Paul telling us to go and to preach the word, guess who tells us in Mark sixteen fifteen? Jesus. Jesus says, and he said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The sister verse to this one, is found in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, And in this verse, Jesus says, "Again, Jesus, red letter Bible here. I wish we had a way to show that on the screen. Go ye therefore and teach, so he uses the word teach here rather than preach, all nations. And he uses nations instead of world. But I think we can all agree it's the same message. And it is a commandment. It is a charge given directly by Jesus for us to do this. Then moving over to Matthew 10, verse 7. I'm depending upon the screen. Why am I not changing in my Bible? Goodness gracious. 10, 7. All right. Matthew 10, 7. Again, these are Jesus' words. says, as ye go, preach. And then he tells them exactly what to say. Saying. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So in case you're not sure what to say when you're in season, if you say nothing else, say, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So now let's go back to verses 3 and 4 of 2 Timothy in the Amplified. 3 and 4. And this one I do have to cheat because I don't have a parallel Bible. So, the Amplified reads, For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction. So there's going to come a time when people are simply not going to hear anymore. So that's the reason it's very important for us to be ready in season and out of season. That challenges them with God's truth. But wanting to have their ears tickled with some, with something pleasing that will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors that they hold. So people are not going to hear anymore. They're going to seek out teachers to align with their desires. They're going to be looking for that feel-good message. They're not going to be looking for correction. And then going on to verse... Four, and will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. So things that we never would have imagined, people will become okay with. They will not be interested in hearing, in listening to the truth, to the truth. So if we look at, let me get back over here to Second Timothy in my Bible. In verse 3, for the time will come when they will not endure. So endure, according to the st- st- Strong's, is to put up with. You know how you put up with something for so long, you endure it. A lot of times we put up with pain, we endure it. So there will come a time when people will not endure the sound doctrine. Google gave this definition of the word endure. Something painful or difficult. Suffering that patiently. So patiently suffering something that is painful or difficult is what it means to endure. So these people are no longer going to do it. They're not going to stay the course. They're not going to stick with it. They're going to go after these false teachers that will give them that feel-good message. Another reason why this is so important to do is despite our own human limitations in this body, you never know how many people you might reach when you are ready in season and out of season. So let's look at Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 21. So in these verses, uh, Paul, of course, had come up against some resistance. Um, Imagine that. So Acts chapter 14, verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city supposing he had been dead. So these people came together because they didn't like what Paul had to say and they decided they were going to stone him. And so they drug him out of the city thinking he was dead. Guess what? Let's read on. How be it? I would have loved to have been here. How be it? As the disciples stood round about him, he rose up and came into the city. And the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derbe. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Paul had been stoned. He had been dragged out of the city. He had been left for dead. Do you think his body might have been a little spent? Yeah, you think he might have had some human limitations at that point? Did you think he really felt in season? I mean, he probably felt pretty defeated because here, these are the Jewish people. These are the ones that are supposed to get it. They're the ones that have led him to be stoned. But nevertheless, he stayed in season. He continued on. He went into the city and then went on the next day to Derby and proceeded to minister to teach many. So it's important to stay in season because you never know how many people that you will be able to reach. So when I looked at the definition of many in Strong's, it said sufficient, considerable, much, and appropriate. Sufficient, considerable, much, and appropriate. I'm going to grab a drink of water. The last reason why it's important for us to be ready in season and out of season, is we are to be the light of the world. We are to look different. We are to sound different. Um, There's one young woman uh, where I work who, around other people, uh, she will speak however she wishes to speak, no matter what four-letter word it may be that proceeds out of her mouth. But around me, she has never used those words because I look different. I sound different. I try my very best to remain in season, to be that light that she and others needs to see. So let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Matthew chapter 5. Verses 14 and 15. And I'm in Mark. You know, you you don't realize how easy it is to get off track. You know, we see the pastor struggle with this. It is legit. Wrong chapter, wrong, wrong verse. I I reviewed my notes tonight. Yeah, I had two different scriptures that I had on my original outline that I was like, that does not apply to what I intend to say. So I found them and corrected them. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 reads, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. I think about our church. I think about us up here on this hill, that we are a light for our community. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, because how ridiculous would that be? It doesn't serve the purpose. They put it on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Not only does it give light to all that are in the house, but if you're driving down the road, you can see the glow of that light from a distance even though you're not directly in the the rays of it. We need to be that same way. When we are in season, even when it's not a gr- the optimum time to be in season, Our light should not only shine in our little circle here. It should not just be here at Disciples House. It should not just be when we have a fellowship down at the lake or when we have a fellowship at the bowling alley. That should not be the only time our light shines. Or when we go to have a meal at a restaurant on Sunday afternoons Our light needs to be shining all the time. And and the area that it covers needs to expand to greater and greater and greater and greater spaces. You never know who is watching. So some of you I've shared this with. Um, Let me choose my words cautiously. But um, we previously, I previously worked with a woman who very much uh, will tell you that she's a witch, okay? And so uh, she ended up vacating the building that she previously worked in, and they moved her to a different building because we had some changes in the structure of our program. And so uh, my supervisor came to me, and another devout believer at our program whose light is also shining, And said, look, I really feel led to do this. Will you go with me to this building and anoint the building with oil and speak to the demons, speak to the devils and cast them out? Absolutely. And so we went and we did that. And we let our light shine as we did it. Because we did it in the middle of the day. There were other people that were in their offices that were there. We were going in their office, putting oil, you know. And so not knowing how other people will think things they could have thought we were crazy, you know, because I I don't know where they stood in faith. So fast forward about two months, and now this person has tendered her resignation. But she is now, was now, remember, she's in a new building. So the person that has been awarded her position that's going to be going into that building called me, two days ago, because I'd send her a nice little message, you know, oh, you're going to do great in this position, I look forward to working with you, let me know if there's anything I can help you with, and so she called back and said, you know, thank you so much, I really appreciate that warm welcome, and she said, I'm going to ask you something, and and if you don't want to, it's okay, you could tell me it's none of my business, she said, but I know, and I forget the words that she used, but I, I know that when this person left the building, the first building, you guys came and you, for lack of a better word, I think she said, cleansed the building. And she said, would you be willing to do that again? I said, absolutely. <laughs> and so uh, I have already spoken to one of my other uh, believers, because the other one's on vacation, and we plan to go back, go, get to go to that building and to, to do the same, to anoint the building and to cast Satan and his flunkies out. So, not sure how I got, oh, being the light. It's important to be the light. So, I I didn't let my light stay here. I don't let my light just stay at home. I don't let my light just stay in my extended family, because let's face it, half the time they don't listen anyway. Uh, I don't let my light just stay in my hall of my building. There's other people on that campus that have seen my light even though they are not directly with me day in and day out. We've got to let our light shine broadly. All right. So the next burning question is, who am I to go to? Right? Okay. Well, we've pretty much already covered that, so we're not going to reread these scriptures. But Mark sixteen fifteen tells us to go to all the world. And then... Uh, Matthew 28, 19 tells us to go to all the nations. And you know, our pastors have really taught us about this word word all. So what does all mean? All, right. But let me push you a little bit further with this word all. We are going to go back to Matthew 10, verses 5 through 7. Matthew 10. Verses 5 through 7. So Jesus is preparing to send the disciples out, the 12, even Judas, the one who betrayed him. At this point, Judas was still a devout follower. So in verse 5, These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into the city of the Samaritans enter ye not. So he says, do not go to the Gentiles, do not go to the Samaritans. But yet he says, Tell us he told us to go to all. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So he was sending them back for lack of a better word to the church. The people who were supposed to get it. The people who were already supposed to be living clean. The people who should have their lights shining. He was sending them back to those people. And as ye preach, as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of God is at hand. So in this case, you know, when we think about all nations, and we think about all the world, we think, or at least I do, and you guys may not think this way, I think about geographical locations. I think about, okay, uh, South Florida, Thailand, Canada, Australia, the world. I I picture a, a globe on a stand or a map on the wall. All nations, all people, the world. But what we sometimes forget about is in that all is the church. Because a lot of people think they're okay, and they're not okay. So we have to remember that we need to be in season and out of season, even with the people that are in church, even with people that outside of church that profess to be believers. Because we know, we've studied the book of Revelations. Some are going to be left behind. So I've given you this charge that actually Jesus gave us, and that Paul gave us. So, how do you do this? How are you supposed to be ready in season and out of season? Well, the Bible tells us. Let's look at 2 Timothy verse chapter 2 verse 15. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. This is a familiar scripture. It will not be a surprise. The verse says, study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth study means to be eager to make every effort to do one's best so study to show thyself approved make every effort to To show yourself approved. Make every effort to do your best on behalf of the Lord. Because remember, you may be the Bible, that the only Bible that some people see. So make every effort, study, to show thyself approved. Make that effort. So what does the word approved mean? Genuine. Be genuine. Study to show thyself genuine unto God. Brianna loves uh, nutcrackers. But for Brianna, it can't be just any nutcracker. Yes. It has to be a functioning nutcracker where you you do the mechanics on the back and the mouth moves up and down. So for the ones that, that do not do that, that that functionality is not in them, Brianna calls them posers. So Yes, and and they're not allowed in the house. I like that. So we need to be genuine. Genuine unto God. We don't need to be posers. We don't need to be one way in this space and another way at work and another way in our social circle and another way with our extended family. We need to be genuine and not be posers. That is very important. And then a workman is someone who does something. So in this case, our work, as we've already been shown, is to preach. To go tell the world that the kingdom of God is at hand. Our work is to be ready, both in season and out of season. Let's look at Ephesians 1, verses 17 and 18. This is part of the Ephesians prayer. You're going to recognize this. Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. And Brooke, if you would be so kind as to throw that up in the Amplified. <clears throat> they keep talking about the wordiness of these scriptures, but they're so good. When I'm studying, if I don't get what I want to out of the King James Version, my first go-to is the NIV my second is the Amplified, and then my third is the uh, oh my gosh, New Living Translation. So, use your resources. They are good. So, Ephesians 1.17 in the Amplified reads, I always pray, so this is Paul once again, I always pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that gives you a deep and personal and intimate insight into the true knowledge of Him, for we know the Father through the Son. So you can pray and ask God to give you that spirit of wisdom, that spirit of revelation so that you can understand what the scriptures are telling you and that you can share what you are, have learned with others. And then verse 18, again, Paul's still praying, and I pray that the eyes of your heart, in this case it tells us the very center and core of your being, your spirit, okay, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, flooded with the light of By the Holy Spirit, so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. Pray. How do you do it? You pray. You ask. You ask for revelation. You ask for wisdom. You ask for knowledge. Don't go at it blind, don't go at it guessing. That God will help you. He will help you. Oh, and let's not forget about the Holy Ghost. John 14, 26. This is, a, this is one of my absolute favorites, and it's one that's heard in this house a lot. John 14, 26. Let me get there. Uh, King James is fine. Thank you for asking. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach. So how do you learn? The Holy Ghost will teach you. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. So if you can't bring it up in your own mind, the Holy Ghost will bring it to your remembrance. You know, it's in there somewhere, and he might have to get in there and dig deep and pull it out, but he can do it. The Holy Spirit can teach you, the Holy Spirit can bring all things to your remembrance. Boldness. Flow in boldness is another way to do this. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12 is an in him scripture. I like this one a lot. I found this one. Of course it's underlined in my Bible I've looked at it at some point, but it has new meaning in this context so ephesians three twelve says in whom we in whom so this is in Jesus in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him we don't have to be skittish we don't have to be nervous because in Christ, we have boldness and we can move with confidence. We can do this in season, out of season. Then you can also, with regards to boldness, let's look at Acts 4.29. So in this context, here we've got poor Peter and John. They had run up against some opposition. Imagine that. This is where Peter and John had healed a, um, let me get it short, right, a deaf man, I do believe. So they had performed a healing, and the people didn't like it. The Sadducees, the Pharisees, they didn't like it. So they got together and they said to them, basically, uh, you they threatened them. You know, a threat is just that. It's just idle words. It doesn't mean anything. You can threaten people all day. And that's what they were doing to Peter and John. They called them and they said, they commanded them, no longer, do not. Well, this is verse 18 of that chapter. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach. In the name of Jesus. Now do you think Peter and John are going to tolerate that? Absolutely not. So they went back to their company. They went back to other believers. And this is where we're going to pick up in verse. Sorry that's that hissing you were telling me about. We're going to start. We're going to do 23. And then we're going to skip down to 29. 23 says. And being let go. So they let them go. They went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they said, can you believe this? These people saw this miracle. It ruffled their feathers. And they said, you know what, you can't be doing that. You can't be healing people. You can't be doing anything in the name of Jesus. So this was the church's answer. They didn't say, okay, well, don't do that. We don't want you to be hurt. Don't do it. Instead, they said in verse 29, and now... And, and so. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. So they brought to the Lord's remembrance what had happened to John and Paul. And grant unto thy servants that they with all boldness they may speak thy word. So a way to do this is have others to pray for you to have boldness, for boldness to rise up on the inside of you few months ago, it might have been perhaps when the Keatons were here, there was a number of us that came forward and had hands laid on us for an infilling infilling of boldness. So guys, we have that in Jesus. The scriptures tell us that. We received an additional impartation of boldness. And if you feel like your boldness may be growing a little weak, it may be, you know, might need a little refilling, ask others, say, you know, um, Derek's at work and he's facing this situation. You know, call one of us up and say, I know what I have to do. God's told me what I have to do. But in the flesh, I'm nervous. I don't know what to say. I don't know how this person will respond. And we can play, agree with you and pray for you to have that boldness that you need to do this. 2 Corinthians, lots of scriptures, guys. 2 Corinthians 7. Verse 2. So again, we're looking at Paul. Paul is such a great example, you know. Uh, pattern your life after Jesus. Pattern your life after Paul. Pattern your life after our pastors. You can't go wrong. 2 Corinthians 7, 2 through 4. So in this these verses, Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he says, Receive us. We have wronged no man. We have corrupted no man, and we have defrauded no man. So they can't find them doing anything wrong. There was accusations, but they were not guilty. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with us and live with you. So they weren't speaking condemnation. Paul wasn't. He loved these brethren. He wanted the best for them. Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glorifying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joyful in all our tribulations. So if God gave Paul boldness, because he says, great is my boldness. And we know, based upon that in Him scripture, that Jesus, through Jesus, we have boldness. He'll give it to you as well. Because he is no respecter of persons. So believe God to have the boldness like Paul had. So, what if I miss my opportunity? (coughs) That went down the wrong way. (coughs) Sorry. There's going to be times, even when you're prepared, read up, you're prayed up. I have said before when I've gone into work and I've signed in and somebody says, you know, how are you today? I'm like, I'm good. I'm read up. I'm prayed up. I'm ready to face the day. So even when you are on go, even when you are down and ready, even when you're looking for a potential opportunity, your spirit is alive and it's it's sort of searching there might be something that sort of swaps you on the head as it cruises by, and you may miss an opportunity. So let me give you two examples of my personal missed opportunities. So two summers ago, my grandchildren and I were at the pool, and there was another woman on a float of some sort nearby to me, and we were just casually talking, and, and we began to talk about faith. And uh, she, I forget exactly the direct conversation, but basically, uh, her relationship with God was a little backwards. It was family and then God. And that is exactly what she said, was family and then God. So in my stupor, it didn't agree with my spirit by any means, but I'm like, what do I do with that? I don't know. I'll never see this woman again. How am I going to get her these scriptures? you know, how can I share with her that that is not the order of things, that it's God and then family? So I did nothing. I missed it. So I talked to Pastor Robbie about this after the fact, and she says, well, you know, she said, you don't have to be able to quote the scriptures, you know, word by word, but to just say, well, you know what? The word of God actually says that it's supposed to be God, faith, and then family. So I missed an opportunity. The next missed opportunity, and there's been more than these two, but these are just the big ones that sort of pop out to me, happened when I was in Kansas City a few weeks ago. So here we are, little country girls, and we're in Kansas City. When I say we're in Kansas City, we are in downtown Kansas City. So uh, we thankfully found a market that we could walk to, and it was wonderful. It was, it was a smaller version of Ingalls. It had a hot bar. It had a salad bar. It had groceries. It had a bakery. had a nice place to sit and to eat. So uh, some of the other girls had gone to look at T-shirts, and another girl had gone back to the room. And So I was sitting there finishing up, and there was a young woman that came and sat down and didn't pay much attention to her. And um, the next thing I know, you know you're downtown when there's an officer that stays on post at the market. And so he approached her and he said, um, you need to pay for that before you sit down with it. It was like a pack of crackers. And she said, oh, okay, I didn't realize. And she proceeds to get up and, and, and as though she's going to go to the front of the store where the registrars are and pay for that. In the meantime, there's two white shirts that come up. So they're managers. And so, basically, uh, they had her escorted out of the, rest, I mean, out of the market uh, for potential shoplifting. Maybe she had a history. I don't know. So, I'm telling one of my colleagues about this later on. And she says, well, I would have just bought it for her. Thank you, Captain Obvious, I did not think about that at the time because I was so stunned, like, here I am in this market and there's the police and there's the managers and there's this obviously now, in retrospect, a homeless woman who needed food. So I missed an opportunity. It's going to happen. We're going to miss opportunities. So then what? Step number one, repent. Ask forgiveness. Say, God, I missed it. You gave me an opportunity. I am supposed to be ready in season and out of season, but I missed it. Then ask God to open the door again. Maybe not with that person, because obviously I will never see either of these women ever again. But ask God uh, to open the door again. And he is faithful. His mercies. I want to look at his mercies. Lamentations 3, 21 and 23. Lamentations 3, and I alluded to this on Sunday morning. As I said, Jeremiah was a bit of a whiner. woe is me, woe is me, woe is me. So he spent the first 20 verses of chapter 3 complaining about what he felt God had done to him, not realizing it was Satan that had done these things. So beginning in verse 21, Lamentations 3 reads, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They, his mercies, are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So even when we miss it, if we are faithful to repent, God is faithful to show us mercy and to give us mercy. Another try. Mercies, a definition of that, according to Strong's, I really like this one, is unfailing love, loyal love, devotion, and kindness. Isn't that a wonderful father? He is loyal to us. He is kind to us. And he loves us like no one else possibly can. So in... Second Corinthians 2 12. Second Corinthians 2:12 2 Corinthians 2:12 we see an example of asking God to open the door Second Corinthians 2 Corinthians 2:12 So once again this is Paul Paul says Furthermore, when I come to Troyes to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. God will open the door. He opened it for Paul in Troyes to preach Christ. He will open the door for you as well when you miss it. Not only will he open it, but 1 Corinthians 16 Verse 5, he'll open it wider. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 5. And Brooke, if you would... Um, in a minute, when I get to the door, to the, the ones that I wanted at. So beginning in verse 5, we're going to start with the King James. And so it's Paul writing again. Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. So Paul's coming. He's going to pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, so I may stay, yea, and winter with you, hang out for the winter, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. Verse 7. For I will not see you now by the way, But I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permits. So if the Lord opens the door, I will tarry with you. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. And in verse 9, Brooke, I want to go to the Amplified, please. Because a wide door for not just service... For effective service has been opened to me in Ephesus. A very promising opportunity, and there are many adversaries. So he opened the door. He permitted him to stay, but it wasn't a crack. You know how sometimes we say, just give me a crack, Father. Let me get my toe around the corner, and I'll step on in. Man, he can open the door wide for an effective service for him. So ask God to open that door. Ask God for that wide door to open. And the last thing, be led by the Holy Ghost. Almost identical verses, Luke 4, 1 and Matthew 4, 1. They're sister verses. Matthew 4, 1 tells us, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit. Into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Who led Jesus? The Spirit. He will lead you. He will guide you. And, the, and pretty much Luke 4 says the exact same thing. If Brooke wants to throw that one up. 4.1, Luke 4.1. And Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Led by the Spirit. And our final verse, one for you to really, really think on. This, I hope, will challenge you. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans 8, 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So as God's children, by adoption, through Jesus' blood, we are the sons of God. And as such, we are to be led by the Spirit of God. So I challenge you, I'm going to charge you, be ready. Be ready in season, be ready out of season. Be ready when it's comfortable, be ready when it's not comfortable. Be ready. Be ready all the time. All right. So the rest of the week, uh, Friday night will be prayer. Miss Ann and I, I think, are going to sort of tag team that. Um, it'll start at six. I will be here probably a little after six due to work. Um, I haven't heard anything about practice, but I feel like since Pastor Mike is not available to come on Friday, more than likely that may be maybe Sunday morning. But we'll we'll wait from we'll wait for some word from Kathy on that. So, Derek, if you'll come and serve the people with regards to offerings and tithes, continue to remember our pastors while they're out in Branson, lift them up in prayer, not only for traveling grace and mercies, but that they would receive what God has them to receive. And lift up, of course, Reverend Greer as he ministers, that he's able to get the message across that God would have him to get across. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day once again, and we thank you for this opportunity to sow into your kingdom, Father God. Father God, we ask you to bless these tithes, bless these offerings, and just show our pastors where to sow these seeds, where they should sow and where they should not. We thank you, Father God, for that money that's coming into the house that we are believing for, that will meet the needs of the church, that will meet ministerial needs, and that it will also meet community needs. Bless each person as they leave this house today. Bring us all back together. In Jesus' precious and holy name I pray, amen.